Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. This morning's scripture reading is Matthew 5, 38 through 42. You have heard it that was said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take a shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. I realized this morning, actually yesterday, I was reminded that the Super Bowl is today. And that's not because I don't care about football. I just don't care about the teams that are in it, so I don't pay attention. So I'm going to go do the party and the whole thing. But uh, I was talking with my wife this morning, and she, I said, so I said, I don't, I don't think I care this year. She goes, oh, well, I do. I go, you don't even know who's in it. She goes, yeah, I do. It's the Patriots. That was easy because they're always in it. And then she said, and the Philadelphia is something or others. And then she thought, she goes, I know who's in it. Justin Timberlake's in it. I don't really care much about uh, going to athletic events anymore unless my teams are there. And even then, I prefer to watch it on TV because it's just easier. But I am a very passionate fan. And when I was a kid, I want to give you a situation because I need you to come up with the answer to it. It's already happened. I'll give you how we responded to it at the end, or at least that's my plan to tell you how I responded at the end. But as we talked this morning about... um, about what Jesus teaches and about his kingdom and about the way things are done where he's from, uh, I went to a stadium, and that stadium was filled with those who were against my team. And I was a kid. We didn't have, as I've shared plenty of times, we grew up poor. So even getting the hat was like a big deal. And so I had um, the Chargers. I had something that said Chargers on it, made it obvious. And so me and my best friend Daryl and my mom went. And so uh, Daryl and I played baseball together. And he was used to getting, you know, opposition. He was, he's a black kid. He's one of my best friends, great athlete, great kid. Um, we shared a lot of life together. So we went to the game together. And as we're leaving the stadium, now remember, I'm 11 years old. As I'm leaving the stadium, Daryl and I hear these opposite fans screaming at us and throwing things at us. I'm 11. Now, I don't know how old they were, because when you're 11, anyone that's over the age of 25 might as well be 60. They're just adults, right? But these were adults. These weren't teenagers, and these weren't even college students. We could could tell the difference between them and adults. These were adults yelling at us because we were Chargers fans. Okay? Now, I want you to put yourself in that situation, because what I'm going to do, we do this every once in a while, I haven't done it in a while, you're going to get in groups of three to four, what do you do in this situation? What is your response? And of course, there's really two responses. What is your response, and what do you wish your response would be? Because we know those aren't always the same. Okay, so in about groups of three to four, there shouldn't be anyone by themselves, because I will call you out, because I've got, and I'm not going to call out the person by themselves, because it's not their fault. 
It's the people that didn't say, no, come with me. So groups of at least three, it doesn't mean just turn to your spouse or your best friend or even your kid. Your kid's like two, hey, we're going to talk about this. Like interact, okay? It's only a few minutes. You'll be bummed that I asked you. I would be bummed if I was where you're at, but then afterwards you're going to be stoked, right? So a couple minutes, what would you do and what do you wish you would do in this situation? So... My, my plan is to tell you how we responded at the end, but that's not really as important as for us to look at how are we supposed to respond, and why can't we respond the way we want to? Because what, what is Jesus calling us to? How should we respond to this? How should we respond when someone insults us or injures us? And of course, we're not just talking about strangers, right? Sometimes it can be the person that's supposed to be the one that treats you the best, but for some reason the people we're closest to are the ones that can hurt us the most, or know they can. We do it, so don't just assume it's somebody else and not us, because we all do this. So how are we supposed to respond? How do we end this? There, so as a Charger fan, I'm from San Diego, and typically if you go to this San Diego stadium, for the most part where I'm from, people are pretty mellow. Um, there are jerks there for sure, um, but when you think about where I'm from, where is, where is it that you can go that people respond the way they should? It should be that way in the kingdom of God, because that's where we're from. Jesus says that we are citizens of heaven. When we make the decision to follow him and we are born again, we are given citizenship in heaven, so that's now where we are from. And I thought about where could you go, because San Diego, it's not really, where could you go where, where people are from, they just do things right? Now, you would hope it would be at the church, right? You would hope that, that people would see that. That's not always the case, and this isn't for us to beat up on ourselves, but for us to think that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So where are people citizens of where they respond in such a non-retaliatory way? Yes, I just made that word up. The place is Canada. <laughs> I'm not joking here. Now, Canada's not perfect. It's definitely not the kingdom of God. However, they do things right there. And so I was thinking about this morning. I woke up and I was like, you know what? That's a place. Because we're trying to talk about the kingdom of God. We're talking about how we should respond. And we're talking about cultures. And the culture that matters to us now is the kingdom of God. But how do I explain to us what it means to, to be where you're from, to act as if where you're from. For example, if somebody shows up here on our beach and they're in Speedo, we can all look and go, they're not from around here, right? Because we don't do that here. My friend who was from Sri Lanka, he came over and they made food for us. And of course, it was really spicy. And I'm thinking, oh, they're not affected by spice. So they had four different levels of spice and all different colors of curry. And as he's eating it, he chooses the hottest, of course, and sweat is pouring down his face. And I'm thinking, I thought you guys weren't affected. He goes, no, we just love it. And he's pulling, they carry around like tissue because that's where he's from. And so they don't mind if they sweat, it burns. They like that because where he's from, that's what they do. And then that made me think about Canada. Is BT here? Oh, man, he's going to be so bummed. This is like his, this is his heart. He's our only Canadian, I think. Or he's our most obvious Canadian. This is how Canadians are. So I just chose a few here. 
Okay, so this person took someone's parking spot and he said, so he was, he's number 15 and he parked in number three spot. I apologize for parking in your spot. Please accept this drawing of a spider as a plea of forgiveness. Yours truly, number 15. That's how Canadians are. So this next, this next situation, someone was stealing rhubarb and the person who owns the house said, if you steal our rhubarb, Pull the root out with the stem. When you chop the stem at the base, the rhubarb doesn't grow back. Please, be a considerate thief. I share this because that's not a way we would respond. Like, you're like, whoa, they're different. In fact, they're so different, you're like, you're weird. Like, really? So you've seen these signs around, right? But this is from the person that stole the bike. He says, sorry, I was drunk. I stole this. I don't remember where I did. If this is your bike, please let me know so I can bring it back. This one, the person broke into the house and stole. So this is a, this is a robbery. Sorry to cause this mess in your house. I just wanted some food, but I broke a glass. Be careful. The floor is not fully clean. These aren't made up. These are totally not made up. Now, this is one... This is one that you can relate with. Because where we're from here, you would never do this. You would never respond this way. So let's say someone starts honking at you or cussing at you or you're on the road. I'm sure you've never seen that happen. I'm sure you've never yelled at anybody and honked at them and they've never honked at you. But in Canada, where they're from, this is how they respond. In the paper, they said, driver who beat. So this is in the want ads or whatever. The driver who beeped at me for going out of turn at the four-way stop, 13th in Belmont, 6 p.m. Thursday, the 20th, I was wrong. You were right, and of course, they're Canadian, so they say sorry. Sorry everywhere. We, we came in, and the flag was up here, and, and we're like, uh, someone's like, are we putting that up now? And I was like, no, it's just up here. So we want to keep things simple up here. And so uh, somebody moved it and they moved it. I felt un-American just moving it. We would respond much differently. This is not about Americans. It's not about Canadians. It's not about Salvadorians, Russians. We treat people horribly. And it shouldn't be weird that we would take out this ad, would it? Doesn't it seem weird that that's weird? That should not be abnormal. We should not retaliate. That's not how God has created us. He's called us to something greater. We are citizens of heaven. We are part of the kingdom of God. And so that is the calling we're at. Our way of responding to each other, I just heard that uh, Facebook had all this reduction in people that are using Facebook. You know why so many of them dropped Facebook? Because they were being insulted online. Not one-to-one. -one. Democrats talking against Republicans. Republicans talking about Democrats. And then we go, well, you know, but there's a reason. We justify it. There is never a place for us to insult and injure someone. And people were getting off of it because they got so angry. But people would also retaliate online. It's a cycle in this circle that just never ends. Where we are from, 
As followers of Christ, we don't do things like that. We could go on and on in the way that we treat our kids and our spouses, and we will blow it, okay? Because when we enter the kingdom of God, we're imported. We're born again. We, we, we are like transplanted there, right? And so we're going to carry some of our old habits. This isn't to beat ourselves up, but it's to understand where we're from now. Jesus, right here, if we could take the background off, he said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In the Sermon on the Mount, it's a description of how we do things where we're from. He's not giving new laws. But this was a law. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It's mentioned three times in different places, in different forms in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy, Exodus, Leviticus. And we may look at this and you can go, man, they were. Why would God call them? It sounds so merciless, so horrible. Someone rips out your eye and so you can go rip out their eye? This was actually the beginning of mercy. The steps towards us being where we're from. Because here... You've heard that it was said eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. That wasn't the way they did it, right? Because let's face it, we all know that. If someone's going to do something to you, oh, you did what? Oh, I'm going to take it up to the next level. So if someone took your eye, what would you do? I'll take them both. And then their brother went, what? You did what? Oh, I'm taking your arm. And then the next thing, oh, I'm taking the arms and the legs. I mean, it, it would not stop. And this was focusing on personal one-to-one -one injury. And then it would turn into tribes families, and then it would turn nation against nation. That's where war comes from. And so this, known as the retaliation law, was actually the first steps towards mercy. But Jesus says here, you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you. Jesus says this, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. This is the core to understand everything he says after this, because he's going to give us some examples that we're going to go through. But we can read this in English and miss the core of what he's teaching us. But I tell you, do not resist. That is a, these are, this is courtroom language here, because an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, that's what they would use in the courts. So if someone, whether on purpose or usually by accident, actually took your eye you could legally take their eye. Nobody, what are they going to do with an eyeball? Right? Great. Now I got their eyeball. Now we both have one eye. It, so they would negotiate. So they'd go to court. And the judge would be there. And they'd say, okay, look, I don't need your eye. But how about two goats? How about a cow and a quarter of next year's crop? And then after that, an eighth. And then we'll call it even after that. So they would negotiate. So the law here... These are law terms. To resist means to stand against. So Jesus is saying, but I tell you, do not stand against an evil person. The evil person doesn't mean that they're satanic or dark or the evil one has sent them. It means anyone that has done you wrong. So it's saying, do not be the plaintiff to the defendant. Do not stand against them as if you are against each other. This is relational. And as Jesus is bringing this, he's not trying to get us to a new law. He's trying to bring us to the heart of what's happening here. The way that we interact with each other, the way we treat each other. I saw another photo in Canada, I won't show it to you, but it was the police car. 
And in, you know how they have all the words like, hey, you know, I'm the sheriff and all the little emblems. And then in the back tail, it says building relationships. And I thought that was appropriate because that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Listen, you're turning this into the person that's an obstacle to you. That's a person. That's a human being. You do not stand against other human beings. One-to-one, if someone injures you, even if they do it on purpose, they are still beloved by me. That doesn't mean there's not justice. doesn't mean we don't set things right. doesn't mean we don't stop them from doing what they're doing. But don't set them up to be a defendant. So let's break that down. So he gives examples. Jesus wants them to understand. So as he's going through this sermon and he's teaching, he wants them to understand. So he says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now what we typically do with laws, because a lot of people are going to try to turn this into a law, and we have, you could take it so far as to go, well, the right cheek. What if they hit me on the left cheek? Like you got to take this too serious. But think about this logistically, and you'll understand what's happening here culturally. Because he's not saying if somebody punches you. He's saying if they slap you on the right cheek. When I was in the Middle East, um, when I was in Morocco, they told me if someone offers you their left hand, don't shake it. It's an insult. I was like, really? Because I'd learned from tra- traveling to different places like in Cambodia. Um, they have a unique way that you can insult someone that I didn't understand, and I did. And so they told me here in Morocco, they said, if someone offers you the left hand, don't. I was like, okay, why? That sounds, well, because we don't use toilet paper. We use our left hand. So I was like, that's good to know. Appreciate the heads up. In this culture, at this time, you slap, think about about where your right cheek is, and pretty much everyone, except for you weirdos, is right-handed, right? Most people are right-handed, and so to hit someone on their right cheek, you're looking at them, right? Not your right cheek, but their actual right cheek. You're coming across this way. It's an insult. So he's saying, if anyone insults you, give him the other cheek. Which is another way to say, it's almost like uh, we were talking about the passage this morning, and uh, someone was reading it and talking about it, and they started laughing because he considers himself to be older. And he said, look, I'm old now. And I was letting some people cross the street, and I was in my car, and this person kept honking behind me, and I'm like, I don't even care anymore. When I was younger, I'd probably freak out, but I just went... That's what Jesus is saying. That's how you respond. Like, just let it go. Someone's insulting you, right? When you hear the honk here in the United States, that's an insult. How dare you? But you go to other countries, like, it's just like, boop, 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 boop. They're smiling. They're just trying to, hey, I'm on your right. I'm on your left. Get out of my way. Here I come. You're in the way. That doesn't mean everyone's nice in other countries and we're mean, but it's an insult. Here, he's saying, look, if someone insults you, let it go. But yet, we have taken this and tried to turn it into a law. We're like, wait. So does that mean if somebody's pummeling me, I just need to let them pummel me? My mom was there during that situation. Let me tell you something, my mom, as I thought about it, I only thought about it this week. My mom didn't do anything. If someone insults my kids, oh, it is on. It is so on. And if I was a mom, as many of you are, oh, it is twice on. The mom is like, how dare you insult my kid? They're not on that baseball team. They're not on that football team. You slighted them here. You gave them what grade? It is on, right? Even if it's perceived, doesn't even have to be real because we're looking for it. Jesus is saying, you've got to let this go. 
Because that's not how we do things where you're from. You understanding this, where Jesus is taking us? And Jesus is not, he's familiar with this. Jesus was slapped in the face, right hand to right cheek, as was the custom. And they said, is this the way you answer the high priest? This was Jesus' response. He didn't just say, oh, oh, hey, hit me over here too. Hey, punch me there. You're missing the point here. He didn't set himself up. He did not resist the person that had done wrong to him. He didn't set himself up as an enemy to the other person. But he says, if I've said something wrong, tell me what it is. But if I spoke the truth, why are you hitting me? It's the heart of the law. Don't turn these into laws. Jesus' teaching, don't turn into law, but understand the heart here. He doesn't want us against each other, as we so often do. He goes on to give another example. He says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat also. Again, the language is a little bit off here because they're trying to help us to understand. Um, it's basically a cloak and a coat, and so they translate it correctly, your shirt. And so underneath... There is your, your, well, your cloak, and it's like a t-shirt, just a long rope. And so why would you sue? They'd have people sue because they're angry. And so when they come to grab it, how are you supposed to respond to them? Now, the reason he didn't ask for the coat is because the coat, by law, you weren't supposed to take it. In fact, it would just be a hassle for you if you took it. Because here in Exodus, it says, look, if someone takes that, then you've got to return it that night, because we all know we use it for blankets. So you can have it if you sue them for it, but then you have to bring it back every night. Kind of a hassle, right? Understand the heart of what Jesus is saying here. Say, look, if someone is so angry with you that they're trying to take something from you, don't worry about the coat or the cloak. Why are they so angry at you? Think about the guy that honked and, and he said, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. I mean, that's how we're supposed to respond. Have you ever been sued? Have you ever had that happen where someone tried to take something from you? It's horrible. And you get angry. Like, how dare you come to take this from me? But what if you were to step back and go, what is it that I did that made them so angry? What can I do? So don't turn this into what I mean, I'm supposed to give them everything? No, you miss the point of what's happening here. Don't resist them. Don't stand against them. It's not saying don't defend yourself physically or emotionally. It's not saying, hey, go hang out with toxic people because that's what we have to do. You know, we're here on earth. We're following Jesus. You know where we're from. We just are gluttons for punishment. No, it's saying understand the heart of it, how we interact with each other. I mean, when I see divorced couples, you can see divorced couples the way they treat each other. And there are some that do it so beautifully and some have not given up resisting those who did them harm. They're standing against them, and you can tell they're standing against. This, this is all part of life. This is, this, this is all webbed into our life, and we've got to remember where we're from now. Because when we make the decision to follow Christ, we're a new creation, the old is past, and we're part of a new kingdom. He gives another example because he wants people to understand. He says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, it was part of the culture there that the mailman, it was part of the law, 
in the Persian law, if someone came and, and they had to deliver mail, they could say, hey, I need you to take this a mile for me. And you'd be like, okay, I'm on it. And so the Romans, when they came and took over and were occupying enemy occupants, and they came in, they said, we like that law. We're going to use that as well. And so it became abuse. And so you've got these people that are, um, their enemies have taken over. And then the soldiers or anyone else that was Roman could come up and force them by law, say, you know, you've got to take my pack, my food, everything for a mile. And they'd measure it out by a thousand steps. Because, you know, how do you know what? We don't even know what a mile is, right? So they, weren't, they didn't use the standard system, just so you know. But they would, the, the term there for mile is a thousand steps. They had to lay it out. And so guaranteed, that guy who's having to carry it, he's counting them off. One, two, three, four, five, six. And he's already standing against that person. He's going to do it by law. But he ain't happy about it. He's going to figure And as soon as he gets to a thousand steps, you think he's going to go, here you go. You go, boom, take that. Jesus saying, no, 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 no. Do you have extra time? Don't set yourself up against them. That's how they do things here, but that's not how you're supposed to do things. If you've got the time, why don't you just walk a little bit longer? What does it really matter? Now, there is a time when it matters, right? So if someone asks you, hey, will you come do this for me? And yet your family's waiting for you and you promise your kid, hey, Billy, I'm going to come. We're going to play catch. You can't come and go, hey, you know what? They need me to do this. Sorry, Billy. Tough for you. There's times when you have to understand the heart of this. But how often do people around you, even enemies, ask you to do something for them and you're like, really? Or the American way to say it, seriously? That's, how, that's what we say here, seriously? And Jesus is saying, look, that's not how we do things where you're from. And the last one he gives, give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Of course, people can take this scripture and turn it around and go, well, what, what if someone asked for my car? What if they asked for my house? Or what, if they, what does this mean? You have to understand the heart of what Jesus is saying. It almost seems like it doesn't fit. In fact, Russ, when he was reading, said, did you mean to include this? Are we going to teach this? Because it doesn't seem to fit. But at that time, every seven years, there was a seven-year cycle where if you had borrowed money, then at that seventh year, ta-da, you don't owe it anymore. Doesn't that sound fantastic? So they have this law. So what if someone approaches you year six? Because it's not from the time they borrow it. It's in the cycle that the country is going through. So you come at year six and go, hey, you know what? I need 10 grand. We all know what's going on, don't we? They're not paying that sucker back. But they know that legally it's seven. And so we say, look, if, if someone asks you, don't turn them away because you know their heart. I've gone through this cycle. Uh, I used to work in the inner city, and, and I'm very passionate about caring for the last, the lost, and the least, and a few of me and my friends got burned really hard a few times. One of my friends um, gave over $1,000 to a man who said that he was trying to provide for his, his wife's funeral, and Scotty Johnson did it, and he gave him the money. He's the custodian at, at the church that I was at downtown. And um, Scotty was the best with the neighbors. He, he just knew all of the guys and the women on the street. He knew everybody. And this man borrowed that $1,000. And then uh, two months later, Scotty's pulling up out of the parking lot, going inside. And he sees the man with his wife, who's not dead, I guess. He knew her. And yet Scotty still gives. He knows what he's getting himself into. 
It doesn't matter what people are asking for. If you have it to give, be generous. It doesn't mean you be like in our giving. Am I being a wise giver here? What about that person on the side of the street or this? What are they going to do with this? It's the heart of the matter. Let it go. I know it sounds crazy, doesn't it? It sounds like someone that comes here in the summer in August when we hit 100 degrees and they're wearing pants. And you're like, what are you doing? Well, where they're from, they wear pants when it's hot. They wear pants all the time. And so some of this just seems crazy to us, but this is how we're supposed to live. Don't turn this into a law. Get back to the heart of what the law is saying, how we interact with people. The relationships are what matter. It doesn't mean you let people abuse you or abuse others. This isn't about countries or social institutions. This is one-to-one -one relationships. That's what Jesus is referring to here. So how do we respond? How do we move forward from this? Well, at the stadium, I would like to say that we responded the way Christ would have called us, but I was not a Christian. I was from San Diego. I was 11 years old. We cussed those people out so bad. My friend Daryl was throwing stuff back at them, and my mom just sat, and I never thought about what she did. I just knew what Daryl and I did. As an 11-year-old, you don't think about anything else. She just let it go. She didn't even keep us from retaliating, because that's just the way we do things from where we're from. But that's not where I'm from anymore. That's not the way we do things. I was... Um, reading, and uh, as, as I shared with you a few weeks ago, and probably shared many times, Martin Luther King is one of my heroes for who he is. Was not a perfect man, but he was a man that understood what Christ taught about retaliation. And he was quoting uh, John F. Kennedy, and he said this, mankind must put an end to war, or war will put an end to mankind. When Jesus says, do not resist an evil person, he's kind of saying the same thing. When you retaliate, a piece of you is dying. That's not who you are. There's a man, this is a real man, not making this stuff up, Ibn Saud. He was the king of Saudi Arabia between like 1930 and 1950. And he upheld the law. And they had this old law in place. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And so this woman came to him demanding her rights because it was her right to have recompense. Her husband was killed by another man. She said, that other man needs to die. And she was demanding this because it hadn't been given to her. The revenge had not been there to appease her. Her husband had died because another man was up in a palm tree and he was pulling out dates, and he fell. And when he fell, the other man was unfortunately directly below him, and so he landed on the other man and killed him. And so this king is like trying to talk the lady out of this, like, come on, like. But she kept pursuing and persistent. She wanted justice. And so he said, well, you do have a right. This is the law, but I'm the king, and I have a right to determine how he will die. So I want us to call that man. I want us to tie him to the palm tree. And ma'am, you have freedom now to climb that palm tree, 
to the height and drop yourself on and kill him the same way that your husband was killed. Obviously, the woman didn't do it because she realized by her getting an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, she could die. Do you realize that we can die when we retaliate? I want to close with this. I got this from a great book uh, that Todd Metzger gave me about prayer. And the artists in there wrote these things, and, and I tweaked them a little bit to fit here. How do we move forward? How do we respond to others? And as we pray, because where you are from, we see people during conflict as beloved instead of problematic. Where you are from, we ask, before I see someone as a problem, may I see them as a human being? And then I can't finish without a quote from, from my man, Martin Luther King. You've heard this before, but I want to focus on one phrase that sticks out to me. So I'll read the whole one. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence, and toughness multiplies toughness in an ascending spiral of destruction. But when I read this quote, and I've read it before, but what stuck out to me that I'd never seen before was when he said, by returning hate for hate, we are adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. We are the people of God. Jesus said, we are the light of the world. When we respond in a way that others don't respond where they're from, we respond the way that we're supposed to respond where we're from, the kingdom of God. When we apologize for not responding the way that we knew we should have, because that's how we're supposed to respond from where we're from. When we respond that way, we're a light. And people want to know where you're from. That's who we are. Let us never forget we are the light of the world. And if the churches, not just branches, but all of the churches, the people that follow Christ, remember where we're from and begin to make us a priority to live this way, we will light up the darkness. Let's pray for that. If you could join me if you can, stand. If not, please join me uh, while you're seated. I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to take uh, communion. And Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, said, do this in remembrance of me. And so as we take communion, do this in remembrance of him. Because that's where we're from. That's who we are. Those disciples were there, and they were given that opportunity to take of that bread and to take of that wine and be reminded this is who we are. So during the next couple songs, at your convenience, when it fits, then go down. And we're not going to have one particular time where we all partake. Go when you're ready. There's two places. There'll be one place over here and one place over here in the back, or at least that was the plan. If you get there and there's no bread and wine, look around and you'll eventually find it. Um, so let us pray. Father, we want to live our life 
in remembrance of you. In remembrance of our King. In remembrance of his kingdom. In remembrance of where we're from. Father, give us patience with ourselves. Give us patience with those that injure and insult us. And give us eyes to see people as they really are. Not as obstacles or problems or enemies or defendants, but as people, your children. Only you can make this happen, Lord. So we lean on you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Boog has asked me to uh, close this morning on that, uh, on that wonderful teaching. And um, it's, he started out by saying, a tooth for a tooth, an eye for an eye. And that was the beginning of mercy. And as Christ followers, we are too to show mercy. Because people are watching you. People are watching me. People are watching all of us. And we want to be attractive to those folks that they might come to know Jesus in a real and personal way. You, we, are the light of the world. Let your light shine brightly. Don't put it under a bushel, but let it shine brightly wherever you may go. And the Lord will be honored. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the teaching. And we thank you for the mercy that you've shown us. We just pray, Lord, that you would help our lights be illuminated and shine brightly in our uh, travels today and through the week and with all of our encounters. We give you this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.